Uh, Romans 8, 18 to 30, I think. Uh, anyway, present suffering and future glory. So I'm going to read through this and then we'll, we'll get into the talk. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit, or are the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope... For what we do not yet have, we wait patiently for it. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. They're the verses that we're looking at tonight. And as ever, we need to go backwards a little bit to go forwards. We always have to do that. And as I say quite regularly, you know, these breaks that we have in the Bible where it says at the start of these verses, where it says present suffering, future glory, they didn't exist in, in the original script. It would just flow. This would be a, a long statement, a long evening at Cornerstone, hearing Paul speak this out. But it would be a long conversation, a long letter. It's broken up for us. So we need to go back a little bit. We need to understand what was being said before so that we understand what's being said now. So Roman 8, Romans 8 follows on from Paul's teaching about the struggle between the flesh or capacity to sin or sinful nature. Now, the reason um, I, I've got to interject here, there are so many different ways of understanding the word flesh and uh, there's so many denominational different ways and there's so many different ways in this group that we understand sinful nature or the flesh. So, um, just if you didn't know, within this group, we have uh, people that are charismatic, people that are Anglican, people that are Baptist, people that believe in a seven-day creation, and people that believe in evolution, uh, people that believe um, in the word of faith type Christianity, people, even Catholics, sitting in this group, we have them all, every type of Christian you can imagine, and people outside of that. So, there are many different ways of looking at it. So tonight, I'm going to use lots of different terminology to try and make it as simple as possible. So, Paul is teaching about the struggle between the flesh, or our capacity to sin, or sinful nature, and our new nature. When we chose Jesus... 
And if our confession was true, as we learned last week, we became in that instant a brand new creation. No longer full of sin or sinful, at that moment we are sanctified, made holy. We have a brand new capacity to follow God or a new nature to follow God. Our new nature is sinless and it wants to follow God. Our old nature or capacity has not left. We now have a choice to serve us or serve God. Our new nature or capacity wants, desires, however you want to look at it, makes us a new creation. We are something new, something that hasn't happened before. Our old nature makes us a battleground. Satan cannot call on our new nature. It is sinless. It's from God. He cannot tempt that one. But he can tempt our old nature, which, for want of a better word, is sinful. It follows the world's desires and wants. One has been born of flesh, and that one is dying. If the Holy Spirit is in you, that one is dying. The other one is born of the Spirit, and that one is growing. Which one grows or recedes is down to the choices that we make. The word flesh can cause a lot of confusion. Paul uses it a lot in chapter 6, 7, 8, and it has different meanings. Here and last week, it meant our capacity to sin, and some translate at that as our sinful nature. So that's where it can get a bit confusing as we're dealing with these words. So, chapter 8, in chapter 8, Paul has shown us what type of new creation we are because of the new nature we have been given. Last week, we heard we are heirs with Christ. Our new nature, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, has brought us into relationship with God. We also heard that this relationship is only for those in Christ. We must ask ourselves a question, do I actually believe in Christ as my Redeemer? Am I actually in Christ? Am I willing to live for him, give everything for him? If I am, the condemnation that is over the rest of the world is not mine. There is no condemnation for those in Christ. We learned that last week. My choices to believe in Jesus, to believe in his sacrifice, my choice to follow him, my choice to let him reign, has set me free. A key teaching from last week. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then... Even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Now, if we have confessed Jesus as our Lord with our hearts and our mouths, we are no longer governed by our flesh or our desires to follow the world. No matter what we do, we are children of the Spirit, and we are in the realm of the Spirit. So we need to start living like we were, like we are. Very, very much in line with what uh, George said earlier. We need to start living like we are, because we are. If you believe it, and you confessed it, and it's true, you are a child of the Spirit. Start living like it. Everyone in Christ is a spirit. Our bodies will die, but like Jesus, we'll rise again because God has placed his spirit in us. We're no longer humans ruled by flesh, but by spirit. So we'd better start letting the spirit rule. 
daily sacrifice in the old nature or capacity to sin, daily growing in our new nature, which is the spirit in Christ. In chapter 8, Paul has shown us what type of beings those in Christ are. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. All of our struggles with the sinful nature, our, our sin, all of our struggles being citizens of heaven in a fallen world, all of the pain, all of the hurt, everything that has happened to you, all of that terrible stuff, and there is a collection of terrible stuff in this room, none of that can compare to what we will become when we rise with Christ. None of it. And so you might think, well, why do we have to go through it? We, we live in a fallen world. This is not wishful thinking by Paul. It is a call to endure, to not give up on God because you suffer, or because you suffered, or because you're suffering. Paul knew suffering. He knows it's hard. But if you stay in Christ, your reward far outweighs the pain and the hurt that you have suffered or will suffer. We all, we all suffer some, much worse than others. Not because of a cruel God that doesn't care and wants you to have a bad time, but because we chose to rebel. And with that choice, the world fell. All creation fell. With those first people and their rebellion, it fell. And you might think, as we said before here, well, it wasn't me that chose. Adam did that. Why am I being punished for Adam's sin? The truth is, every time you choose to do your own thing and not God's thing, you're choosing a side with Adam. We all rebel. You see, we were made holy when we chose Jesus. That very moment. But because of this old nature that hangs around, this old want to sin, our capacity for sin remains in us and we are not fully glorified. For those that attend Thursday's studies, you'll see that it starts to cross over here. The studies cross over slightly. We are sanctified, made holy, when we believe, but as we still sin, we are being sanctified for the day when we will rise and take our new birthright with Christ. But everything fell at the fall. Everything. My DNA, my sexuality, my spirituality, my mentality, my physicality, the whole of creation and the universe fell at the fall. You can see here, Paul, well before what we are experiencing now in the world. Well before that. He knew it would be so. He knew that the world would be suffering and groaning out as if in birth pains. He knew that because God revealed it to him. God revealed to him that all creation, everything will be made new and will be calling out to be made new. And all you have to do is turn on the news to see nature calling out. And why is it calling out? Because we rebelled. Because we was not stewards of this earth. It's calling out. We know that the whole creation has been groaning. 
as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. The planet, the universe is groaning. The fall has corrupted every part. There will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. It's calling out for it. As there will be a fully sanctified humanity. Our generation and the next are actually witnessing the earth groaning, waiting to be reborn. We are seeing the earth in pain due to our rebellion, the rebellion of man and woman against God. Paul here again uses the backdrop of the struggle that we have between our sin and our spirit. He uses it to frame this idea. He describes us as first fruits, which is wonderful. And it's a wonderful description. It means the first of the harvest, which we are. We are the first of the new humanity. Take a look around this room. Have a good look around, everyone sitting around here. Every single person here that has chosen Jesus, we are the first fruit of the new humanity. That's who you are. You are something different. There has never been anything like you. We are the first fruits. Even you, John. <laughs> we are the new creation. And we will one day be fully the new creation. Now, this is the important concept that we're going to be looking at. We are, and we're not yet. It takes some picking, but we'll, we'll be looking at it. It goes on, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we are saved. So we have been saved. We are the first fruits. But because of our capacity to sin, which remains in us, we are also being saved. Notice he says here that we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. So we have already been adopted to sonship and we're waiting for our adoption to sonship. We feel the pain of the struggle. We feel the pain of the world as it struggles. And this is exactly what Paul is, a talk, is talking about in 6, 7 and 8. To help us cope and know we have been saved, we have died and and been resurrected in Christ, and we are dying, and we will be fully resurrected in Christ. It's a now and not yet. We have had our old selves crucified, and we are crucifying daily our old selves. Paul is preparing us for the struggle that we have already won and haven't won yet. Jesus did it all at Calvary, yet we are still not completely sanctified. Sin is still in us. We have won that, but we haven't won it yet. This is why we struggle and why we feel for those that are still living in condemnation. They do not know and cannot know the truth because they do not have the Spirit in them. We do, and we are waiting for the day when we can come fully into our inheritance. That's what we're waiting for. These are important concepts of grass. We are saved, and yet we are being saved. We are a new creation, but we still hold on to the old creation. We want Christ to reign in us, but we still want to be God at times of our own lives. This is where we are, now and not yet. 
But in the belief that Jesus has done it all at Calvary, the hope that the Holy Spirit will change us from glory to glory, and the trust that God knows the beginning and the end, we are saved. It is these things that make us believers, these things and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we wouldn't fully be able to comprehend these things without the Holy Spirit. It is these things that make us the new creations, the first fruit, something new something different. We see the world differently because we are different. We are different to those not in Christ. I mean, we look the same, we talk the same, but by the Spirit of God, we are now new. The old existence has gone and a brand new existence has come. Yet we hang on to the old dead self. It was crucified at Calvary, but we hold on to it. And what we do is we breathe life into it. Not God-given life, that it's like sin, we breathe into it, and we give that old self life. We, we artificially make it real in ourselves. So brothers and sisters, what I'm saying is stop listening to your old nature, starve it, and give it no oxygen. Don't breathe anything into it. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, which means that you have the power to beat that. Greater is he in us than he that's in the world. Greater is he in us that, than our old selves. And start nurturing, growing the new nature you have been given. The fullness of your new selves will come and we are to wait for it patiently because we know God always keeps a promise. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through worldless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Holy Spirit in us helps us to wait. It helps us to grow. It helps us to understand this world. And when we don't know how to fight our weaknesses, our doubts, our temptation, when the old self is being called out by Satan and we're choosing to join in, it works for us. It speaks to the Father as it knows the Father's mind because it is one with the Father. It's calling out for the help that we need because the Spirit is God and knows the will of God. Take this as a comfort. Feeding your capacity for sin will lead nowhere but death. Listening to the Spirit will lead to life. Listening to it, following it, allowing it to reign in you is nurturing it and growing it, and it will lead to life eternal. And even when you don't know what to do, take some time to let the Spirit work in you because it is always working on you. You are the block. You are the one that chooses to ignore it, chooses to do your own thing, chooses to breathe life into your old nature. Now, the Fulani of this teaching is so powerful, uh, but you've got to listen well, because it's all about that now and not yet. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. God does not make mistakes. He called you, he found you. You didn't find God, you just started listening to him. He chose you to be a new creation, a new being. 
sanctified throughout your lives to become more like Christ. Jesus was the first of us resurrected into his new body. Because he was, we will be. That is a fact. Because we trust in the hope that one day we'll be made perfect, we will be, because we have that faith. God knew you would be his. He knew the works he has planned for us all, well before we was born, in fact, before creation started. He knew all of this, and I'll get to that in a bit. Because you are in Christ, you are justified by Christ, and because you are justified in Christ, you will be glorified. These aren't made-up things. These are facts because God has said so. We are new creations and we be, will be refined new creations. We are holy and we will be made holy. We are adopted into sonship and we will be adopted into sonship. God is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. As we heard on Thursday, he can't be the end of it if the end hasn't happened yet. God is not like us. He is outside of time. So, he sees every moment of every day forever. He sees your birth, your coming to Christ, your death, your resurrection, your judgment, all of it, every moment, every day. He sees the death, birth, resurrection of Jesus every second of every day. He is in the past, he is in the present, he is in the future. And as we heard on Thursday, we have a past, we are in the present, and we have a future. That is very different to God. He is in all of those. Exactly the same moment. The fact that you follow Christ, that the Holy Spirit lives in you, that you are in Christ, that God chose you, means that you will see the new heaven and the new earth. You are a citizen of heaven because God has already seen it all. He wouldn't have predestined you, he wouldn't have foreknown, he wouldn't have justified you, and he wouldn't have called you if he didn't know that you could do all of these things. He has seen it all. He doesn't make mistakes. As I said on the, on the Thursday night uh, study, uh, the pastor we were listening to said, you know, there is such a thing as a book of life and your name is really in it because God has already written it. All we have to do is make sure that we're in Christ choosing to be in Christ. doesn't make mistakes. If God believes you can cast off your old nature, if God believes you can live in the Spirit in your new nature, then you can. So then the only question is, why don't you? Do not let your capacity to sin rule your decisions. Rather, let your capacity to love God rule your decisions. There's a, a saying on the recovery course that you're only as sick as your secrets. Uh, and those secrets, it's interesting that George said, what he, he said those secrets are the things that, that give that old life power. In your secrets, you breathe life into it. Take all your secrets, it's good to talk, confess them to someone you trust, hand them over to God. Make those choices. Don't let your old life rule your decisions. Let your new nature rule your decisions. This is the type of being you are. This is the type of being you became the moment you believed in Jesus. You are not the same as you were, and you have not called, been called to do the same as you did. Jesus at Calvary made it possible for you to let God reign by beating the power of death and sin. So if he is the first fruit, so he is the first of the harvest, and we will be like him when we are resurrected as well. 
Let's trust that God will do the same for us. And by our choices today and from now on, allow him to do the same for us. You are made new, so be new. We have three questions tonight. Um, Danny normally sends them out. He'll have to do it afterwards. But question one, what does it mean to you when Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us? That's question one. Question two, we are the new humans, a new creation with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. How should this change the way we live? And does it change the way you live? Question three. Do you believe Paul when he says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and those he predestined he also called, those he called he also justified, those he justified he also glorified. What does that mean to you? Do you believe it? What does it mean to you? 